Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. I'm your host, Joseph. I'm with Jesse. We're at Conduit Coffee. And we're here today again after the seven or eight weeks, literally. Has it been that long? It's been like a month and a half since we recorded. It's true. Listeners don't need to know that. I mean, if you've been listening... We could have like a whole recap podcast of all the episodes that we didn't actually record. Just to make people (laughs) feel like they missed them all and that we've really been busy. Uh, It's been good. Springtime in Seattle. It's gorgeous. Well, and this is the reason why it's been a while. Uh, I think we said this in the last one we recorded, is that we're going to keep doing the show when we do it. Which, considering all the stuff going on, is not necessarily every week or every month, apparently. Right. Well, we try. I mean, we talk about it a lot and stuff like that, and I think that... We've we've got some uh, big stuff coming down the pipe, so that uh, has to be taking up a lot of time. It's going to be good. But we miss it. I miss it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I so we've had that. some good feedback. We have. We had... Uh, Surprisingly. I think that's why we keep coming back, is that people actually don't totally mind hearing us. <laughs> Which is strange. We do have some fans, mm-hmm. and that is that is nice to hear. Um, it's always good to hear that, that people appreciate the work you're doing. Yep. Um, and uh, we did have some questions. Um, we had a listener write in uh, asking us if we would talk about... Uh, Basically, fair trade versus direct trade, and subjects around that matter. That's awesome. That's um, a that's a big subject. Yeah, it is. That is a big. That is a gaggle of subjects mm-hmm. right there. Whatever, subjects, whatever you are check subjects on. a gaggle or are subjects depends uh, how big they are. Hmm. Are are, are subjects a, a murder? A murder of subjects. <laughs> a murder of subjects. <laughs> no, that's going down the wrong path. <laughs> You asked before, like, have, what conversations we can't record. We can't you have record. something against crows? <laughs> no, just the murder of subjects. Just the murder of subjects. <laughs> Standing outside my door. A lot of murder and a lot of intrigue. Speaking of intrigue. Yeah, your new issue came out. The latest issue is published, and we feature intrigue chocolates, which, uh, Jesse, you've done a lot of work with them. They're absolutely amazing. I mean, they're just totally innovative. Aaron, Aaron is an absolutely delightful individual. Yeah. Uh, he he has he is as passionate about chocolate as you are about coffee. Yeah, and in many of the same ways. And I've learned a lot about our coffee in his frame of reference, like the way that he yeah. thinks about cooking and baking and cre- coming together with creative ideas of you know, yeah. how to make these truffles that he makes. His um, understanding of flavor and and flavor compounds and right. how you taste things is is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to. I've been trying to recreate his cocoa coffee cold brew mm-hmm. so he takes the Westlake and I wrote about this in the issue he takes the Westlake and it's our um, medium blend cacao beans yeah the, the nibs uh, he actually takes the whole beans oh that's right and grinds up the beans so you got the Westlake and the beans and you just cold brew them like you would coffee yep. together um, read about that in the issue or you can just I mean you can get it's it's half the coffee and it's half the beans but you use the same intrigue does together. sell those beans they do. Yep. Yeah. If you're local in Seattle, um, it's an amazing spot to visit. Chocolate tasting there is mm-hmm. pretty pretty exceptional experience. Yeah, and he's um, he's actually going to start doing some uh, coffee and chocolate uh, related type stuff. Yep. Soon. Yeah. Uh, there details on they're that. They're also growing. Check intrigue out for that. Um. Anyways, <sighs> I love chocolate and coffee. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows those two go together. 
but I, until we visited and met with Aaron and tried, I didn't realize because we had, how well or why. What we had like a dozen different types of truffles that he makes. Yeah. With the same coffee. Yeah. So this is the same brew every time of the Westlake blend. And the but coffee changed and the truffles changed. Yep. And, and you, the coffee brings out certain flavors in the truffles or or not. I mean, some of them didn't pair as well, you know. But that was just an experience just to mm-hmm. to really taste those flavors and how they'd come out at different stages and the acidity and. Man. G- gave gave you the uh, naming of the spring blossom too, because we discovered it was the the jasmine and lumi truffle. Right. We ate that and we were like, oh my gosh, this needs to be paired with the spring blossom. Right. And then we made the spring blossom, and we're like, holy cow! Like, which of these is the chocolate, and which is the coffee? Right. Yeah, <laughs> they just accented each other. That was amazing. Um, and spring blossom, by the way, we normally don't uh, throw coffees on the show, but uh, <laughs> grab the spring blossom. It's darn good. It is. It it's is limited. It is a fantastically amazing coffee and a really good deal. Um, go to Condor Coffee. Get the spring blossom. Okay, direct trade, fair trade. We might want to actually talk about the thing that we. <laughs> Yeah, or just we about. just inadvertently created okay. two episodes. I don't know. We can. I think. I think the sh- the shows where we kind of ramble a little bit. I get the sense that people kind of like that. I yeah, know. I like talk shows where they're kind of rambling and fun. Oh, and uh, yeah, get the issue. Go to uh, coffeeloversmag.com and check it out. And ramble, ramble along. But so now we can. Now we can get to. What was the question? I. Uh, well, I guess the base question is what's the difference between direct trade and fair trade. Right. But it was more of a broad question of what are those two and why should I care about either of them. Right. I mean, those are such a, that's such an important question. We come across this all the time um, trying to sell our coffee because people want to know. They want to know if the, if the coffee's grown sustainably. They want to know if it's been, you know, if there's any kind of traceability or if it's another mono-agriculture crop crop coming from, you know, an origin that's far away that we don't have any control over. Um, there's been a lot of problems like that in coffee, but all agriculture, you know, for but a while. But fair trade has been around for a while, so I think people are familiar with that that phrase, especially when it right. pertains to coffee. Well, it, yeah, and it, it's not as old as coffee, you know, and so it's it came out of a backlash of people wanting to know that the workers and, and the workers themselves, the coffee workers, wanting to get paid more for the amount of effort going in. Actually, um, I'm curious. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but was it was it backlash, as you say, or was it groups of people who were interested in just supporting farmers more and making sure that? I think it's probably both. I mean, there's yeah, the consumer uh, end of that, and then there's the, the the production end of it at that at the origin. I mean, I don't know specifically how it started, but I know that you know there's some really big issues in the '40s and '50s with coffee, and and these farmers are completely at the at the you know mercy of the Chicago Board of Trade and the commodity pricing based on you know other agriculture products and they're you know being Brazil farmers are being pitted against Sumatran farmers and Ethiopian farmers and all this kind of stuff and and it was it's they needed some stability because the lack of stability really creates a lot of that poverty and it doesn't help the farmers out and then when you add environmental changes and droughts and rain and stuff like that so i think that's you know that's that was a necessary necessary thing to to fill in. So the fair trade is is basically creates a floor for the prices. Mm-hmm. So if you're certified fair trade, it means that the farmers and your you know the farming at the farm level, the coffee that they're selling is always going to be worth a minimum amount of money, mm-hmm. uh, a set minimum. Um, so you know if the commodity price is a dollar sixty a pound, maybe the fair trade price would be like 
commodity. They call it C, you know, C plus 40 cents or something like that. And so they're guaranteed to get 40 cents over the commodity price. Um, some, some farms and co-ops, they, um, or co-ops, I should say, they set their, uh, they set certain levels as well, I believe. So when we buy coffee, you know, we'll get it at a, at a good price, but if the market were to fall out, then there'd be a fair trade minimum. So we're always going to pay over a certain amount, so the farmers are always guaranteed at least mm. a minimum. doesn't mean they can't get paid more. Um, mm. And so that's, I mean, that's basic for fair trade. It's a, it's a international organization um, that certifies the sources of the coffee and to certify and make sure that they're getting paid adequately. That's, it's interesting as you're saying that I'm... I'm uh, Okay, so fair trade is a certification. It provides a minimum uh, level of price for the coffee. Direct trade, I would say, came more out of out of the the production side of coffee. Desire to make higher quality uh, coffees on the farmer level. Mm-hmm. So you got actual like people who know what's happening with the coffee after it's produced usually roasters right. or importers or whatever, going to the farms and working directly with the farmers. They get paid more usually. I mean, that's one but it's one form of direct trade. The quality. That's true. Um, but I'm curious, I'm, I'm thinking, because when I observe fair trade, I see farmers getting paid, you know, a certain amount. But that can't be anywhere near enough to do anything other than just continue working. I mean, it certainly makes I mean, it sure can that be. they can do that. Yeah. But it's not as it doesn't necessarily mean quality. Yeah, it doesn't mean that they're that it's better coffee necessarily. Um, I mean, I think first and foremost, I think the rule that I always that I always go by is that you know you can't have quality coffee if you've abused the land or the environment. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's where a lot of this is coming from. Um, the The difference in direct trade, I mean, to me is is the relationship. And so it doesn't doesn't mean that. The prices are reflective at all on the on the international commodity market, or if they're tied to fair trade at all. It's just that it's been a direct relationship between mm-hmm. you know the roaster, the basically the end user, the roaster at our end, and then the farmer producers at the other end. Um, and then that relationship can go all sorts of ways, of mm-hmm. course, whether it's you know visits to the farm or money going back to the farm. I mean, there's a lot of um, income sharing. We have some some clients that that buy their coffee and they bring it in and then when they sell it here from the cafe then a portion of those retail sales goes back to the farmer in addition to the extra price and so that's a very very informal but um, you know it's a family relationship and so that's how they're that's how they're doing that and so I think direct trade because it isn't certification like it can mean so much and it's confusing mm-hmm. generally I think it means it's better coffee because it's been sourced specifically because there's a passion at this end and there's a passion at the other end um, and it's connected and so you just form that relationship. Um, the internet's made that a lot easier, you know, Instagram, things like that. So you can actually connect with your farmers without having to go through an importer. You know, mm-hmm. before we had that, it wasn't like, you know, before we had the internet, we wouldn't just call up the farmer necessarily, you know, and say, hey, you know, what's going on? What kind of new coffees are experimenting with and stuff like that? Whereas now there's this connection where they can see that, you know, their coffee that they care about is being served here in Seattle or whatever, you know, with exceptional baristas and then it goes back and, and so then it gives the farmers, you know, more reason to, to, you know, be that much better with their coffee. Mm. Um, we're also seeing a younger generation of, of, of farmers, like the, the, the sons, like going back and working with their family farms and trying out new processing techniques because they've been here to Seattle or wherever. Mm-hmm. And 
seen what we want out of coffee, and they, they then are exposed to what other growers are doing as well. Um, yeah, so there's a lot there's of really cool science. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, uh, organizations, roasters and such, going to farms and, and doing... I mean, this, is, this has been over the past five years or so doing fascinating work to, to really vastly improve the quality yeah. of growing. It's been going on longer than that. I mean, really, like, Intelligentsia started it kind of first. They were the ones that kind of branded that idea, that coined that term, direct trade. Well, I mean, I'm talking more about not just direct trade, but, like, really focusing on vastly improving the quality of production with with techniques and practices that, that farmers, for the most part, can't do. Right. Because it takes upfront investment and it takes it a lot of it takes a lot of time i mean if you're planting new trees yeah it's going to take you know five to seven years before they're productive so the stuff that we're seeing now mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like some of the new geisha varieties that are grown in new regions and stuff like that i mean those those didn't get planted until like five years ago and so how much have we learned i mean condo didn't exist five years ago and now yeah. look how much the industry's <laughs> changed since we started you know we're kind of like the grandfathers now because there's so many new roasters and it's changing so fast. So the ideas that they had five years ago are now being like coming to fruition, so to speak, um, like ah. this season. <laughs> you know, so it's it's exciting. I think that the the sky's the limit. Um, there are going to be s- some ridiculous coffees coming out in the next few years. Um, it's going to be the heyday of specialty coffee, and it's because of that direct trade relationship. Um, I mean, I, my problem with certifications and the and the and the getting certified like organic certification or the rainforest alliance or things like that is that it costs the farmers a lot of money so they're not family farms you know the little micro lot uh, farms in columbia that we get our coffee from they they're not going to do that i mean they produce like six bags of coffee a year mm-hmm. they don't they don't have nearly the revenue to pay for the fair trade standard but they know that their coffee is good enough and so they reach out for more of a kind of air quote direct trade relationship with an importer that says, hey, no, we are going to do this and we guarantee we'll sell this coffee for more than more than regular. Uh-huh. Yeah, also, uh, organic doesn't, like, just because something isn't organic doesn't mean it's it's bad. Like, right. there's, there's some farming practices that prevent you from getting an organic certification. Right. But they're not necessarily bad things. Like, the, the farmer, I, I, one of the farmer's producers I met with in Thailand, he has to supplement his soil with nitrogen because that's the only way he can continuously right. grow coffee there. But because he's doing that, he can't get organic certification. Right. I mean, it would still be really expensive anyways, but it's not like he's using pesticides and, and whatnot. Right, exactly. He just needs a little bit of soil amendment in there. And yeah. sometimes I mean, you can do that through rotating through, um, growing at different times, different seasons. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of things you can do for nitrogen fixers and stuff like that, but that costs a lot of money to be that organic. Yeah, um, and it doesn't mean that they're just willy nilly throwing nitrogen out there either. You know, yeah. I mean, Guatemala when the farmers told me that he's not organic, but you know, he uses he uses some fertilizers occasionally, like every other year, and it's very select because they're expensive. So you don't necessarily just go and dump them everywhere because you wouldn't you don't want to burn your crop. There's lots lots more issues you can have with over fertilizing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know I think the just because there isn't that kind of certification doesn't mean that the quality isn't there or that the farmers don't care. And also um, just because something is certified, right. one of these things also doesn't make it amazing. Right. And I think, I mean, I think the most important thing is just to ask your roaster or ask your barista, you know, is this, uh, is this coffee traceable? 
Because it doesn't necessarily mean like I went to Guatemala to go buy this coffee and I shook the hands and had dinner with the family and brought back this coffee. But it does mean that, you know, I met him and I and mm. when they come through Seattle, we meet these producers. And, and so, you know, they or, just have amazing yeah. coffee. Or you at least understand their story or you're right. working with someone who has the resources to build all those right. relationships. And so it might not be that, you know, Jesse yeah. a Conduit went to Guatemala and had this amazing experience, but it is still a totally traceable coffee that has these roots. And we do have information. We have, you know, shaken hands with some of the producers. Um, I think know, on so, a base level even, it's just like... I go into a cafe or I talk to a, a roaster. I, I'm not sure this has actually happened talking to a roaster because that would be weird to me, but it certainly happens a lot going to cafes where I ask the, the cafe owner or the people working there like w- what they know and think about the coffee and where it came from and yada yada. And the answer is, to, I mean, they barely know the roaster that it came from right. <laughs> sometimes. And it's like, well, all of a sudden, that's the extent of the story and the understanding. Right. It's and we struggle with that a lot because we don't have a very good mouthpiece. You know, we have amazing coffees in our blend, but when baristas are just there to make their money and serve it, doesn't mean they're just doing a bad job serving it. It's just mm-hmm. they might not know the story. Um, for us locally, we really encourage all of our accounts to come down to our space and see what we're up to right. and come hang out because that's also part of that traceability. But, you know, if you're abusing the workers in Guatemala, you might also yeah. be abusing your, your workers here in Seattle. And, and uh, you know, just to comment once more on the, the barista thing, I wouldn't wouldn't expect the barista to know the full story of the coffee. Mm-hmm. But I would think they could say, oh, yeah, we got our coffee from such and such roaster. And, uh, yeah, they have, you learn everything about those coffees. They know their mm-hmm. stuff. Just go check them out. I mean, you'd think I'll that. I'll tell but you the rest of the story. Yeah. Just kind of hand it off. I want to know that. But that's really specialty coffee. I mean, that's, uh, that's the other part of this conversation yeah. is that we're only talking about, you know, 12... 15% of the sales of coffee in the in the country would That's fall true. under any kind of relationship, direct trade or, or but I, you know, I fair can't, trade. I can't go to my grocery that. store, get my can of Folgers. And they won't know the, very much about those roasters. Go to the clerk and say, where does this coffee come from? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I want to try to do a source trace on a can of Folgers sometime. No, I don't want to do it's that. Scary. It's scary. It's like, like Michael Pollan trying to do it with his cows, you know, when he traced his, his cow that he bought for his, his book. Yeah. Michael Pollan, The Omnivore's Dilemma. Everybody, it's a great book. It's old school now. You haven't read that, Joseph? Nope. I oh man, I'm writing it down so that I can remember that I haven't read this book. <laughs> Come by conduit, and I'll lend it to you. Um, <laughs> it's a good. Are we here right now? Yeah, I meant to the radio audience. I just oh, conduit's <laughs> a lending library. We got radical agriculture books. Have a cup of coffee, read a book. I think a book club podcast would be fun. A lot more work. <laughs> yeah, we'd actually have, have to, to read. We'd have to read and make notes and. This, it does bring up another idea, though. The I extent think. of my notes for this episode involves four words and an abbreviated word. Yep, and a book that you haven't read. And then I just added, yeah, yeah. the name of a book that I probably spelled wrong. It's kind of just brought up another idea for a podcast and maybe some listeners would like to hear about this resources where they can go to learn more about coffee. Yeah. It's yeah. called coffee lovers magazine, coffee lovers magazine. It's the only resource. <laughs> it's, it's the, they, that's the number one resource read by people in over 180 countries around the world. Wow. That is accurate. Man, it is. I just made it sound really important, though. Yeah, I like your broadcasting voice. Thank you. Take it so much more seriously. My radio, I need, 
uh, a microphone in a studio. You really need a podcast. You should. You should I should start a podcast. <laughs> you should about start coffee. a podcast. <laughs> That's a good. Idea. You want to do a you want to do a podcast about coffee with me, Jesse? Yeah, all we have to do is record our conversations. Am I actually recording? Okay, yeah. I hope so. A little shout out to Tia. Yes, our good good friend Tia. Mm-hmm. She. Uh, it's good to see her. She's back from Mexico, and uh, has brought with her some new knowledge about tequilas, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. has been delicious lately. Yes, delicious, delicious knowledge. <laughs> so we could obviously go on and on about fair trade and direct trade, but uh, that's, a, that's some a fair introduction. <laughs> fair and fairly direct. An intriguing one as well. <laughs> uh, you have some really good issues. Yes, we, uh, we had... Uh, uh, on this topic, on the magazine that I've been reading, and they're really well-written. Francis yes. did a wonderful job. Francis did a three-part series on direct trade. He, uh, well, maybe it was four parts, actually. He did a broad overview, and then uh, he started talking to various people around yep. the industry about it. and It's fascinating. We could have gone on and on about it. I think he even calls it his rabbit hole, right? Yeah, pretty much. The, the direct trade rabbit hole. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, maybe I'll... Um, Maybe I'll consolidate those into something special about direct trade. I'll talk to Francis about that. He might be interested. He'll do it. Anyways, check out uh, the number one resource read by people in over 180 countries. Around the world. Coffee Lovers Magazine. CoffeeLoversMag.com. Support the radio. Get the magazine. Get some uh, spring blossom. Go to ConduitCoffee.com. And uh, we'll be back. In August. Before too long. (laughs) Oh, it'll be sooner than that. Yeah. Well, I'll be launching my special project really soon. Yeah, we're going to have a whole episode about uh, that. We will have a whole episode about that, and then probably more episodes following that, because uh, we'll go in from building into a lot of other stuff. Yep. And we'll have more time to record. Fake John might come back for a brew guide. I'll be here all the time. It's good stuff. I'm going to live in here roastery for a while. We're going to have a hard time sharing the bathroom.